When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform Form an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Tuesday, March 14th. Hey, what's new, guys? Not much since I went away for a week. You know, just a couple of bank failures worries about an escalating financial crisis brewing, questions about whether we are reliving 2008. Quick answer, no, we are not. Yeah, so I went away, all this stuff happened, and now it is time for me to do one of the things that I love to do. Take a highly volatile and emotional period of time and bring down the pressure. (sighs) Breathe with me, gang. This is not the same thing as 2008. This is a very different situation. I'll explain why, but I also want to be clear that when these types of things occur, it can often get you very anxious. And if you are feeling that way, why don't you give us a holler? All you need to do is go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button, and let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. And interestingly enough, This program went to a daily podcast on this date in the year 2020. Prior to that, the Jill on Money podcast was released twice a week. We had guests. We had kind of the normal financial podcasts. And Mark and I decided that we had to go to a daily podcast as all of the volatility around COVID and markets and concerns were escalating. So this is exactly the type of situation that helped us create the podcast that you listen to now every single day. And we're very grateful for that. So happy anniversary to all of us. Thanks for helping us create this vibrant community. So let's talk a little bit about Silicon Valley Bank and what happened. So let me just start by uh, playing the segment that I did yesterday on CBS Mornings. I was sitting down with Nate Burleson, one of our anchors, and we did this right off the top of the show. So this is the segment that aired at about 7.03 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday morning. So it's before the president spoke. And um, we'll talk about what the president actually said after that. We'll talk a little bit about markets on the other side of this. Join us now to discuss the fallout as CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Good morning, Jill. How are you doing? I'm well. Now, we broke it down a little bit, but I want your thoughts on it. What's going on here? And could this happen to other banks? There was this very strange event that occurred last week, and it was a slow-moving crisis. Because if you look back, say, 18 months ago, yeah. we saw the tech sector booming. And one of the banks that did tons of, in, of business with the tech sector was, in fact, Silicon Valley Bank. Mm-hmm. So as those companies started to do really well, 
Well, what do they do? They deposit more money at the bank. Right. The banks flush with cash. They keep what they think is enough money on hand to meet general depositors' inquiries and needs, right? right? And the rest of it, they start to invest in United States government bonds. At the time, interest rates were so low that the bank decided they would choose a longer maturity. Now, that's great. You get a more a higher interest rate. But the downside is when interest rates start to move, those longer dated bonds are more susceptible to price declines. Mm. What happened last year? The Fed started raising rates. The value of the bonds went down as these tech companies needed more and more cash. All of a sudden, Silicon Valley Bank had to sell their bonds at a loss, and that put them in a terrible situation. I would say that this is essentially went from a cash crunch to a full-blown run on this bank. So last time we've seen something like this, a failure like this, was that of Washington Mutual back in 08. Um, what will be the ripple effect of it now in 2023? Well, I think that Janet Yellen, as part of the team that really did focus in the financial crisis, understood that we needed to get ahead of any potential ripple effects. That's why they announced those emergency measures. I want to point out something that's very different between 2008 and now. Number one, this is an idiosyncratic situation. A bank that does business with startups, tech, crypto is different than all the banks being involved in the mortgage business. The other thing that's important, when we did the bailout back in 2008, we bailed out the companies, their shareholders and management. The government is not doing that. They're protecting the depositors. But remember, shareholders and management, they're out. They've lost all their money in, the, in this company. The, vet, the Fed said U.S. banking is resilient. Is it, though? I think it really is. They've done a much better job in making sure that big banks, the largest, most significantly important financial institutions are SIFIs, G-SIFIs, the big, the global ones. Of course. They have to have more money on hand. When you wa- water down regulations, when you tailor the regulations to help small and medium-sized banks, this is the flip side of that, and it is dangerous. Okay, so... After this segment aired, I hung around the studio because we knew that President Biden was going to speak. I think that what I really took away from what Biden said was a couple of things. One was that it was clear that the president is emphasizing that every depositor at Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, which failed on Sunday, that every depositor, whether or not that person had $250,000 or less and was covered by FDIC insurance or not, or more than that level, every depositor was going to be made whole. That was really important. That happened over the weekend, but the president wanted to talk about that. He also said that no losses that are associated with the resolution of the these banks would be borne by the taxpayer. They're going to crank up the fees to the banks for FDIC insurance. That's number one. The other thing that the president kept talking about was, you know, this is a safe system. But he also, I think, learned a lesson and maybe a lot of the regulators learned a lesson of 2008. And that is that they are allowing the share prices and the investors in these banks to suffer and in some cases get wiped out. Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, anyone who invested in those banks as a shareholder is going to lose a lot of money. They're going to be just a general creditor around this bankruptcy. And the other people who are going to be big losers are managements of these banks. And I think if you look at the financial crisis in 2008, one of the big complaints of why the the people got so mad about the banks getting bailed out is that it seemed unfair that 
these banks and their shareholders were kept afloat, while many homeowners were not. That is not what's happening here. I think that's actually a good thing. I think shareholders, when you take risk, then the bank goes belly up, you're going to lose. That's just the way it is. Now, the other thing that's happening is the Federal Reserve is going to make funds available to banks that come under these kinds of liquidity pressure points. Again, the Silicon Valley bank story is an idiosyncratic one. This is a very weird situation where you have a niche bank that catered to tech startups and the VCs, the venture capitalists that finance them. Tech sector, boom, they put the money in the bank. The bank had the money. They kept some money on hand. Then they actually invested in government bonds. They invested at the wrong time. Interest rates went up. The bond value went down. Tech sector starts bleeding. They need their cash. Now the bank doesn't have enough cash on hand, has to sell the bonds at a loss, and boom, you got to run on the bank. So I think that that's not something that's being replicated all over the banking system. So what I really want to be clear about is the banking system is pretty strong. The biggest banks are actually quite solvent. They do have cash on hand, and that's the good news. The bad news is that when you look at some of these small to mid-sized banks, you realize that some of them were taking risks and those risks were not huge risks. They weren't selling derivatives of housing mortgages sliced up where, you know, like they weren't doing that. They were buying longer dated bonds. Again, those bonds fluctuated more than the bank management realized they would. Maybe they didn't expect the Fed to raise interest rates as quickly and buy as much as they did, but they got caught in it. You know, I think this is a lesson for all of us in that when you think about when you are in a low interest rate environment, how we are often tempted to reach for an enhanced return, right? There's that that term, Tina, there is no alternative, meaning when interest rates are low, you can't put money in safe cash. You don't want to buy bonds because they're not paying anything. And when you have that kind of mismatch of risk and reward, or you really start to take risks that are outsized and you don't realize it because rates are low and kind of protecting you, I think the most important thing that we can do as participants in the economy, as investors, as people looking to the future is to always ask the question, what if? What if the, the path that I am taking doesn't turn out as expected? That's kind of the premise of my whole book, frankly. Like, what if, how can I do things differently? What's my plan A? What's my plan B? What's my plan C? So I think that the story will continue to unfold. You know, don't get rattled by the markets. They're going to go up. They're going to go down. It, it doesn't really matter right now. I think that the most important thing that we can focus on is your financial situation If you're worried about the money you have in any particular bank, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Again, jillonmoney.com. Click the Contact Us button. Let us know if you want to come on the air. Don't forget, while you're on the website, you have got to subscribe to our brand new service. It's called Jill on Money Live. This is the opportunity to join us for quarterly live webinars. For the full year, for four webinars, costs you 35 bucks. We're going to be rolling out more special content, so stay tuned. All right, um, I'm going to be talking to Mark tomorrow, so you'll hear more of uh, our voices together. We'll record. It's, uh, I'll tell you all about my trip. It was kind of amazing. You know, I, I'm very much excited to talk to you guys again. Don't get too freaked out. 
remember, we've been through many worse trials and tribulations together. We'll get through this as well. So lift somebody up today. Maybe it's someone who's got money at Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank. Well, they're probably in good shape today because the government's just backstopped them. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.